welcome to Gateway Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here today. We pray God speaks to you through this message and through His Word. For more information about our church, follow us on social media or visit our website, gatewayhome.com. Now, let's tune in to this week's message. Welcome to Gateway Church. For those of you that I don't know, my name is Elaine. I'm one of the pastors here, but I'm also married to Pastor Ethan. And I wanna give a huge shout out to our Magnolia location. We're so glad you're here. Can we give it up for our Magnolia location? And all those watching with us online, we are glad you're here and a part of the Gateway family. I do have a couple announcements to give before we jump into the message. But the first one I wanna do is I wanna give you an update on Pastor Ethan. Um, for some of you, you may have known that he has a polyp on his vocal cords that they needed to surgically remove. So he had that surgery this past Tuesday. Everything went as expected and so he is in recovery and he is doing well. He's here but he cannot talk to you so we're playing charades again. Um, but yes, yeah, so he's on five days of vocal rest and then it could take up to six weeks for his voice to fully come back as strong and be ready to project and preach. But we are thankful for your prayers. So many of you have reached out. You've told us you're praying for us. You've been praying for us and we appreciate that. We have felt them. I wanna say thank you, but also ask that you would continue to pray because we want him to come back at the end of the six weeks strong with a strong voice. And so we need this to continue to heal properly. So thank you. And then also continue to pray. Um, last weekend, he got to preach before surgery. And he actually, we during that series, we did a Heart for the Kingdom offering. And I wanna remind you that if you haven't had a chance to be a part of the Heart for the Kingdom offering, you can do so. But let me just say thank you because we are such a generous church. You guys have given above and beyond and we are so grateful for your generosity. But I do want you to know you can still give to that Heart for the Kingdom offering between now and the end of the year, which reminds me that any giving that you would like to be on your giving statement for tax purposes needs to be postmarked by December 31st. So if you will do that, you can mail it to the offices before that date or of course give it in the offering boxes located in the back of all of our auditoriums. But we would love for you to be a part of what God is doing here and moving forward the mission so that more people can come to know God. Um, and then also you saw this, uh, today I'll kick off our Christmas at Gateway series um, but then next weekend is our candlelight services. So we're gonna have a phenomenal service. We have a full, amazing worship production with Pastor Leland, Pastor Freddie, and our entire collective worship team. Um, and then also there's photo ops and hot chocolate and all the fun things. You'll hear a special message from Pastor Ethan that he filmed before surgery. Um, but it's just an incredible service. So we wanna make sure that you invite your friends and your family. We have invite cards for you. They're available in all of our lobbies. So you can grab those and take it with you this week as you wanna invite those. And we've made room. So we've added services so that you can invite somebody. That is why we did it. If all of us just show up, our services are mute. So everybody needs to bring a friend because we've added services. Because we've added services, I wanna let you know of our new service times just for this weekend. You can also go online to see them. But at our Magnolia location, we will have a Saturday night service for this weekend only at 6 p.m. And then our normal Sunday services at 9 and 11. And then here at our Katy location, we will have two Saturday services. We'll have one at four, one at six, and then our normal Sunday service 
service times at 9, 11, and 1. So make sure you pick a service time and you plan to join us with a friend, a family member, somebody. We would love to have you here for that. And then the following week after that, is our end of the year service. You saw this, but I wanna make sure you hear it, that this service is 100% online. We will not be at either of our locations, so if you come to the church, you can pray. Um, the building's very beautiful to walk around, but if not, then just stay home in your PJs and go ahead and tune in. We'll be streaming it on Sunday at 10 a.m. You can go to our website, YouTube, Facebook, any of those platforms so that you can jump into that service. Our whole staff will be there in the comments, and we would love to say hi to you in the comments, so make sure you tune in for that. And then finally, my last announcement, I know it's like Gateway News 2.0, but I wanna make sure that you hear all of these things. So in January, we are gonna kick off our Let's Go series. And this is our 21 days of praying and fasting where we give God the first of our year. And we wanna encourage you to be a part of that. Let's go, let's go and make disciples is where this um, series or this idea comes from. We believe that God wants to do something in our city and in our nation. And so we want to be the people that he uses to go and reach more people. And so during these 21 days, we will have devotionals and things that will equip you as you dive into your quiet time with the Lord. But go ahead now and start eating all the desserts for Christmas because that's the most popular thing people fast in the new year. So eat as much as you want for Christmas and then set your plans for January on what you're going to fast and give to the Lord at the beginning of the year so that we can have a phenomenal 2024. Okay, there was all of my announcements. Now let's jump into the message. Today I'm starting our Christmas at Gateway series, and I want to read to you a Christmas story that I found online. A kindergarten teacher asked the class to draw a Christmas story as part of their art class at school. A little boy sketched a nativity scene with Mary, Joseph, and baby Jesus lying in a manger. However, there was also a large, plump fellow in the scene. The teacher said, Johnny, who is this man in the nativity picture? Did you think that Santa Claus was a part of Jesus's birth? He says, oh no, that's not Santa Claus, replied Johnny. He is the guy we sing about in Silent Night. That's round John Burgeon. If you don't get it, you can ask your neighbor. It's okay, we'll still love you, okay? All right. Well, you know that the Christmas story is in the Bible. I just wanna read to you a part of the Christmas story. It's in Matthew 2. I'm gonna start in verse one. It says, Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from the Eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose. I want you to remember that phrase and we have come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law and asked, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem, in Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah. For a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd for my people Israel. Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men, and he learned from them the time when the star first appeared. Then he told them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. And when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him too. 
After this interview, the wise men went their way and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over a place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother, Mary, and, the, and they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasure chest and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and, and myrrh. When it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route, for God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. So I wanna ask you a question today, and this question is also my title for today's message. So here's the question. What made the wise men wise? What made the wise men wise? This word magi, it's where we get our word magician, but it doesn't quite capture what these men were. See, these men, they were actually philosophers, priests, and astronomers. They were well-educated men that studied astronomy, religion, science, and medicine. So they're very educated men. So was it their education that made them wise? Well, I don't think so because I know that there are philosophers and astronomers that aren't very wise. No offense, I'm not saying that you, if you are one of those, aren't wise, but there have been people that are not wise that have those roles or that level of education. So what set them apart in their wisdom was actually what I believe was their worship. See, worship is a devotion. It is a bringing forward and offering to God. When the wise men pursued to find the king, this was an act of worship. When they brought gifts before the Lord, it was an act of worship. When they bowed down, it was an act of worship. I think their worship is what set them apart in wisdom. I believe it was something that they did that changed the culture that they lived in. See, this word worship, it has been translated in the Bible to kiss. It was actually used, one of the stories in the Bible was about a woman who came to the feet of Jesus and she broke a jar of perfume on his feet and began to just clean his feet with her perfume and her hair and she wept profusely and kissed his feet. And here's what that is, it's an act of worship. It also could be translated when to touch the hem of the garment of someone. I remember a story like this in the Bible where a woman had an issue of blood. She had an issue that she could not find a solution for. And all of a sudden, she fought through the crowd and she pursued to touch the hem of the garment of someone of authority, somebody that could actually solve her problem. This was an act of worship. See, it was an act of worship that actually brought forth an encounter that forever changed their life. Here's what that word means. It means to express an attitude or gesture one's complete dependence on or submission to a higher authority figure. It means to come up under, to welcome respectfully. It means to surrender and submit yourself. It was their worship that set them apart. Well, if it was their worship that set them apart, then what kind of worshipers were they? What kind of worship actually led to wisdom? Well, I'm glad you asked. I have three points to answer your question. So number one, they were expectant worshipers. They were expectant worshipers. 
See, it took a lot of effort for them to travel such a long distance to hopefully find a king, a baby, a little child. They were traveling with expectation. Listen, they didn't travel all this way because that's what everybody was doing. Nobody else was doing this. This is them trying to pursue something. They were hopeful for something. It was such expectancy that they were about to encounter a king. Here's what it says in Numbers 24, verse 17. It says, I see him, but not here and now. I perceive him, but far in the distant future. A star will rise from Jacob and a scepter will emerge from Israel. See, many people believe that the wise men, they knew this text and they were looking for the Messiah. They were watching for the star. They had such expectation that a star was going to arise that they were going to look at it and look at the sky and study it every single day. If you remember in our passage, I told you to remember this phrase. It says, we saw his star, not a star, we saw his star as it rose meaning they had to be outside awaiting it. This wasn't like they were, oh man, let's all go grab some dinner. Oh, a new star. No, 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 this did, they didn't happen upon it. They were so expectant. They were watching and waiting for this to happen. They were looking for it. So they find a star and it leads them to a home. Here's what it said in verse 11. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother, Mary. So they entered a home. Now, I don't want to um, butcher your nativity scenes that you have at home. Theologically, though, they may not be correct because here's the truth. The shepherds saw Jesus as a baby, but the wise men did not. It says they entered his home. They did not enter the stable. So if you have a nativity scene with wise men, if you'll just move those to a different room in the house, it'll be a little bit more accurate theologically, okay? So here, but they entered the home. So here's what happened. Mary and Joseph, they have Jesus. He's beautiful. He's the most perfect baby. He barely even cries. And they decide, let's buy a house. So they get into a house. Jesus is growing up. He's a perfect little child. He's better than all of ours, and that's okay. And so he has this house. Mom and dad buy a swing set. They are just watching him grow up. I even think they went to Walmart. They got him one of those blue little pools with water in it so he could get used to the water, start learning how to swim. He didn't. He just kept walking on it. But they were having fun. And then the wise men show up. Why? Because they were so expectant in this moment. They came from such a far away town to encounter a toddler. You know what's sad about this? Is the Jews, his kinsmen, they wouldn't even come to the next town over. They wouldn't even come just a few miles down the street to show him a welcome. When I was studying for this message, I was um, trying to get to get my, all my details together, and I was trying to remember how far Bethlehem is from Jerusalem. And I have a study Bible that I really do a lot of my studying in. It's my favorite Bible to study in. It's falling apart, the binding's falling off, but at the back, I have these really cool maps. And so I'm looking at my maps, trying to find where Jerusalem is in reference to Bethlehem, and I'm having some trouble. So I ask Ethan, now remember, we can't, we're in charades, okay? And so I ask Ethan, hey, do you happen to remember how far Jerusalem is to Bethlehem? And he looks at me, at me and my Bible, and he's like, use your phone. And he's like holding his phone, like, use your phone. You have all this technology at your hands. I'm like, no, 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 I'm good. I like my Bible. I'm just gonna keep looking here. If you don't know, I'll find it. 
And so he has an app now that he's downloaded that he can type in and then it talks to me. So I've gotten very used to Siri's voice. It's just amazing. She talks very annoyingly, but it's okay. So he's just texting and then it types. So I go back, looking at my map. He types in and Siri reads to me, it's 2023. And I said, miles? I don't remember it being that far. And he looks at me and he goes, year. And I was like, it's 2023. Okay, I'll use my Bible app and I will figure it out. Just so you know, it's seven miles, okay? That's what the internet told me. Here's my whole point in that whole story. Seven miles. They were unwilling to travel seven miles to encounter the king, but these people were willing, the wise men were willing to travel miles, thousands of miles to encounter the king. So here's where we are. They were so expectant. Here's what Matthew 1, chapter 1 showed, that it showed that Jesus was the Jewish Messiah. But in chapter 2, it shows that the Jews had no interest in him. They were, the Gentiles were the only ones that truly sought after him. Do you know where exceeding joy comes from or abundant joy comes from? It comes from a great expectation and anticipation. Think about it this way. Children on a Sunday or on a Christmas morning, they have such excitement and joy. Why? Because the night before they go to bed with such anticipation and expectation for what tomorrow is going to hold. So if that's the case, then how do we come into church? How do we come into the presence of a king? Do we have the same level of expectation? Do we have the same level of anticipation? And listen, I'm not making light of it. It is so much deeper and greater than a child on Christmas morning. And the best thing I can think of naturally is something to, to say of like a, a spouse waiting at the airport at the gate for their spouse to come off the plane coming home from war. There is such anticipation for that first embrace, for that hug that they've been waiting for, where they were never even sure if they would ever get that hug again. And there was such an excitement when that moment comes. That's how we should be in the presence of God. That's how we should be when we come in to God's house, when we come in to what God wants to do. We come into the presence of the King. How expectant are you? How excited are you? What anticipation do we have when we come into his presence? Every single weekend, we have an amazing build team that gets here early to create a prepared atmosphere with an expectation and an anticipation so that we could have an encounter with God. If I knew you were all coming to my house, I would clean up a little bit. I would make sure my home looked presentable right? I would have an expectation that you are coming, so I would create a prepared atmosphere. What about our hearts and our minds? We should have an expectation when we come into the house of God that he is about to encounter us, so are our hearts and our minds prepared for an encounter with the king? Are we expectant worshipers? The second thing that they were is they were expressive worshipers. They were expressive worshipers. If you remember in verse 11, it said they bowed down and worshiped him. So let me ask a question. How would you respond in the presence of a king? Let me ask it a different way. How do you respond in the presence of a king? Every single day, you have the opportunity to enter into his presence in your worship. 
And how do you respond? How is it that we are supposed to respond? Well, here's what the Bible teaches us about how we should worship. Let me just show you a couple of passages. Psalms 47, verse one. Come, everyone, clap your hands, shout to God with joyful praise. Psalms 95, one. Come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Psalm 95, verse six. Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker. Psalms 134 verse 2, lift your hands towards the sanctuary and praise the Lord. These words, shout, bow, lift your hands, praise the Lord, their commands in the imperative form. And you may say, well, hold on, Elaine, doesn't that mean you're putting me under the law? No, I'm trying to suggest that you live under love. See, God said, Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. This is love expressed. Worship is love expressed. How we express our love. Are you expressing what God has done for you? Are you showing it in outward signs of worship? Now, can't we worship in our heart? Sure. Well, can somebody be very extravagant in how they worship, almost to the point that it's a distraction and not be worshiping in their heart? Absolutely. But is it possible? I mean, well, let's just put it this way. Let me say it this way. You could come into church. You could cross your arms, not get your body into this at all. You could not get your emotions into this at all. You don't have to smile. You don't have to have any emotions on your face about it. Um, And you could just say, well, my spirit is worshiping. And that is true. You need to understand that you have three parts. You have your body, your soul, and your spirit. And it is true that you could worship with one of the three parts. But wouldn't it be a great disservice to only worship God with one or a part of you when he gave all of him? Wouldn't it be a sad day that you're unwilling to give all of you back in worship? It is time for us as a church to engage all of us, our body, our soul, and our spirit into worshiping him. I believe that we're on the brink of revival, but it's going to, be, it's going to start with our worship. He is worthy of all of you worshiping him. And it is a sign of your gratitude towards him. It is how we can worship. Yes, worship is love expressed. Now hear me out. I'm not talking about coming and making a big scene and being very distracting. Listen, love expressed. The way I show Ethan love here at church is very different than how I would show him love in our home in a private atmosphere. Your atmosphere will determine how you you express your love, but it should not be any less. My love for Ethan did not change due to the atmosphere that we are sitting in or where we are, but it will be expressed differently. So will you express your love for God with all of you? And listen, I'm not trying to um, get on to anybody and you say, well, that's just not me. I'm not an expressive worshiper. Here's what I'm trying to do. I'm not trying to make you somebody that you're not, but I am trying to show you that this is not charismatic theology. It is biblical theology to worship with all of you, to act in a way that is do the praise that he deserves. We have a family friend. She's from New Zealand. 
She is obsessed with the queen. She told us a story about one time when she got to see the queen. The queen was coming to her town and so everybody floods the street and they're all just waiting to see the queen. And my friend, she's of shorter stature and so she couldn't quite see over all the people. It was she wanted to see the king so desperately that she began to look around at what she could use to be able to see the queen and she found a dumpster. She climbed on top of that dumpster and and as the queen passed by, she began to jump and wave her arms and scream abundantly. She was so extravagant in her expressions. Do you know what didn't happen in that moment? Nobody turned around and said, what are you doing? Why, why are you acting a fool? For two reasons. You want to know why? Number one, her expression was actually accepted and to some level it was um, um suggested or it was, uh, it was expected for her to be acting that way. But for another reason that nobody turned around is because everybody else's attention was on the queen. Is it possible that some of us are coming to church and our attention is not actually where it needs to be? That instead of our eyes being on the king that is entering the room ready to have an encounter with us, we are too busy thinking about the person sitting next to us. Wondering, are they hearing the worship song? I hope they're hearing this message. They really need it. And all the different things that distract us in the moment, is it possible that we're missing out on the king that is in the room? Where is your attention? Who will you be watching when the king enters the room? And will your expression match who, has, who is in the room? Where they were expressive worshipers. The third thing that they were is they were extravagant worshipers. They were extravagant worshipers. They brought, their, they brought their best. Now, while it may have been helpful, they did not bring diapers and formula to baby Jesus. That's not the gifts that they chose to bring. Instead, they brought gold. They brought an extravagant gift to him. I don't know about you, but when I had a baby, I would have loved a lot more money, you know, like, thanks for the diapers, but bring me gold, friend, right? Like, I mean, all my friends let me down. It's okay. I'm not mad about it. But they brought these gifts that were so extravagant. Why? Because they were the most valuable gifts that their country produced. They brought the very best I read about some children that were interviewed on what gifts the wise men brought. Jay, who was five years old, he said this, the wise men brought Jesus presents of gold, frankincense, and smurf, sick, uh, and silver. But I think he would have preferred wrestling toys. Thanks, Jay. Anyways, they brought a very extravagant gift. Do you realize that all throughout the Bible, there are illustrations or examples of extravagant gifts that are acts of worship? Think about this. David gave a gift to the temple. If we were to modernize that gift today, we could say that it was close to $21 billion. That's an extravagant gift. Solomon offered 1,000 sacrifices. That was an extravagant gift. 
the woman who I talked about at the beginning of the message that poured out a jar of perfume on Jesus's feet. It was worth a year's salary. That was an extravagant gift. There was a widow who gave two mites. That was an extravagant gift. Abraham offered his son. That was an extravagant gift. And God offered his, and it was an extravagant gift to us. See, all throughout the Bible, there are these acts of worship that are extravagant gifts. So my question for you is, what do you bring with you when you come to worship the king? Do you have an extravagant gift that you are bringing? What are you giving to the king when you come to worship? Is it extravagant? They brought their best. Do we bring our best? Do we arrive on time? Do we engage in worship? Do we let our mind wander? Are we only singing songs about Jesus instead of singing songs to Jesus? Is our worship actually ministering to him? Is it actually a sweet aroma to him or is it just the warm up to the message? Can I tell you that worship is not just our thing that we do so that if you're late, you don't miss the message. Worship is one of the most important aspects of church. It is an encounter with the Lord. We want you here for worship, not because we have Leland, who is a phenomenal worship leader, but because we have the King of kings and the Lord of lords who sits on a throne and wants an encounter with you. So come, let's be on time. Let's be expectant in our worship with him. Do you realize that all of the gifts that Jesus received on this day were prophetic? These gifts represented something. I wanna show you what they represented. Gold represents royalty. They brought gold because he was a king and they acknowledged his royalty and authority. They brought frankincense. Let me just tell you a funny story about frankincense really quick. I heard about a little boy. He was in a, uh, his school program. They were doing the whole nativity scene. He, got, he won the role of a wise man. And he was supposed to bring frankincense and lay it down at the king's feet. And he was supposed to say, I bring you frankincense. And he sets it down. And he really couldn't figure out how to say that word, but he was going to give his very best. And so he held his gift. And when it was his time, he walked all the way up to the king and he looked at him and he said, Frank sent this and threw the gift down. So anyways, they brought frankincense because they acknowledged his divinity. See, you offer an incense to God. We offer an aroma to God. Revelations in five verse eight, it tells us that our prayers are like an aroma up to him. It's an incense that we get to give to him. This is the opportunity that we have. And they brought him myrrh because they acknowledged his humanity. It represented that he came as a man and would die for their sins. Myrrh was used to anoint the body before the burial. And it was this thing that was happening. And here's what happened in John 19, 39. It says that they actually brought myrrh at his death. See, myrrh was a prophetic picture of his death. All three gifts were prophetic. They were all representing more than just wise men bringing their best. They were representing who they were worshiping. Here's why. Do you know the offices of Jesus? Well, here are the three offices of Jesus. They have a prophet, a priest, and a king. All three of these gifts represent the offices that Jesus would walk in for us. 
So what if you're in bondage, then you need an encounter with the king? What if you fall into sin this week and when you come into church, you don't feel like you're worthy to worship him, then you need an encounter with a priest. What if you're facing a situation in your family and you don't know what to do, then you need an encounter with the prophet. But see, all throughout the Old Testament, God always gives his people these three offices, a king, a priest, and a prophet. See, the king was to rule and govern them, but also to protect them from their enemies and to provide for them. Are you in a situation where you need a king to protect your family and to provide for your needs? Well, then guess what? Jesus is the king. The priest was to teach them God's word and to intercede for them. Do you want to understand the Bible better? Do you want to know how to pray for your family? Then guess what? Jesus is the priest. And the prophet was to proclaim to them the now word of God and the future word of God. Listen, do you need a word from God right now and direction for your future? Then guess what? Jesus is the prophet. Whatever you need today, Jesus is the answer. He is the reason for the season. He is your king. He is your priest and he is your prophet. If you go back to our original passage at the very end, it says that God warned the wise men not to go back the way that they had came. And he warned them through a dream. And the reason I point out this passage because I need you to understand what happened in the wise men's life. See, up until this point, the wise men had to go to other people to understand the word of God, to understand the Bible. They were looking to others for clarity. And the moment that they worshiped with an expectant worship, with an expressive worship, and with an extravagant worship, then they heard God for themselves. Now God spoke directly to them. Is it possible that on the other side of your worship is the breakthrough for you to hear God for your needs? It comes through our worship. Listen, the gift of Christmas is found in him. And the greatest gift you can give him this Christmas is your worship is your adoration, is your submitted heart, your dependent heart on him. It comes so much more than just part of you worshiping him. It is all of you worshiping him. It is coming into his presence with an expectation and an anticipation. It is coming in with all of you ready to express your gratitude and worship. And it is coming in with an extravagant gift, ready to encounter the king. And so today, I want to encourage you that we would take our next step in worship, that this would become a place, that we are a house of worship, that we are desperate to have an encounter with the King, that we're not afraid, that we don't let our pride or our insecurity hold us back from expressing our worship to our King, but instead, we go all in and watch what He does on the other side, because the greatest gift you can give Him is you. So I'm gonna ask us in this moment, I'm gonna ask you to just bow your heads and close your eyes. We're gonna close our service slightly different than what we normally do. And in just a minute, we're gonna go back into worship. And I wanna encourage you, I wanna challenge you to just take that next step in your worship. Maybe for the first time, you need to kneel down or lift your hands. You need to respond in worship in a way that you have not before. 
Maybe today you know that God's pulling on your heart for to give something extravagant. And you need to just take that step of faith and give extravagantly to your king. Maybe you're here today and the greatest gift you could give him is actually your heart. And you have yet to do that. I wanna encourage you that right now in this place, through worship, you can submit yourself to him. You can depend on him. And so in just a minute, I'm gonna pray. And after I pray, we're gonna go back into worship. We're gonna go all in with all of us. This isn't the time, your kids are fine, everything is okay, you don't have to rush out. We're gonna stay in this moment of worship for just a minute. And then at the close of our service, our prayer team will come forward. And if you need prayer for anything at all, they'll be available. Or if you need to give your heart to him, they would gladly partner their faith with yours. But God, right now, I ask that you would give us the courage to worship you, Lord, that we would give our adoration to you. Lord, that we would come with such an expectation, such an anticipation for an encounter with the King, that we would bring our whole selves with an expressive act of worship towards you. And Lord, that we would be extravagant because you have been extravagant towards us. So God, we thank you for your gift, for your love, for your mercy, and for the gift of your son. We worship you today. We acknowledge you as our priest, our prophet, and our king. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us today. If you live in the Houston area or are in town for a visit, we would like to invite you to join us for a service. For service times and location, or more information about Gateway Church, follow us on social media or visit our website, gatewayhome.com. Have a blessed week. Thank you.